Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? This is CA On Air Personality on the iHeartRadio Network. Today, we have a very special... We're not doing Billy Graham. We're not doing the Friday dance. Uh, but before we get started, I want to remind you, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, gang, feel free. You can always email me here at uh, Face, Studio One, Face Studio One. I'm in central downtown Fort Worth, up top the tower, the iHeartRadio studio. As you well know, a few days ago, uh, we lost another pastor, America's another second uh, great pastor that just literally did a lot of work for the Lord about 50 years. You know, if you combined him and the late Billy Graham, you know who I'm talking about, Dr. Charles Stanley? We're going to start playing his uh, sermons too as well. Don't know exactly what day we're going to be doing it on. That's one of my major announcements. So uh, I don't know if we're going to get a Billy Graham in on the next podcast. We might, but I want to do a very special one for Charles Stanley. If you don't know, a little story I want to share before we get started on Dr. Charles Stanley. Today, his message is going to be about the Holy Spirit and absolute essential. He was a Baptist preacher, uh, First Baptist Church of Atlanta. He passed away at age 90 years old. Uh, Here's the details that we do know. His son is, he only has one son. His son uh, is Andy Stanley, as most of you well know. Uh, He is a well-known pastor, too, as well. He has his own church. I'm not exactly for sure where it is, but his daddy was the late Charles Stanley. Now, a little history on Charles Stanley. Again, he was in ministry work for well over 50 years, just like Dr. Billy Graham. He is a great preacher. You're going to enjoy this sermon. Um, What happened was the day before, I sent on my Facebook page, if you go to the Morning Brew Christian Podcast, you like me on there, guys, you'll see his prayer closet. He had a prayer closet that he went into with his private time with God. You know, I've talked about prayer closets before, but the prayer closet that he went into, and believe it or not, the day before he passed, he was reading about heaven. And then the next morning, he got up, had breakfast, and was talking to his dog, and then just passed away. And he's up there at the Heavenly Father. Up there, they got some great pastors up there that that taught down here. And now they're doing even more work for what God has instilled for them. He got to meet Jesus face to face. My heart pours for Andy Stanley and his family, Charles' grandchildren. As you well know, Charles uh, lost his ex-wife. He was divorced. Uh, That would be Andy Stanley's uh, mother. She passed away in 20. 14 at age 83. But anyway, we're going to play this uh, in honor of Dr. Charles Stanley. Again, we're going to be doing Charles Stanley's. I don't know what day we're going to do this on, but that is going to be incorporated on our podcast. Hope you enjoy this, guys. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, again, you can email me, morningsbrew at gmail.com, morningsbrew at gmail.com, and like me on my Facebook page, the Morning Brew Christian Podcast. Follow my radio station, guys. Uh, At the close of this, we've got a song that's called uh, Sunday Drive, and it has Dr. Charles Stanley's voice uh, near the end. So here we go. Enjoy this. The Holy Spirit, an absolute essential. Have you ever wondered why you don't make any more progress than you do in your Christian life? In fact, you look back last month or last year or 10 years ago, and you have to ask yourself the question, well, why don't I love God any more than I used to? Why don't I have a deeper hunger for him? Why don't I read the Bible any more than I used to? Why don't I give more than I used to give? What's happening in my life? Am I stagnant? 
What's going on in my Christian life that I don't seem to make any progress? In fact, you look at your life and you realize that you are still hesitating to share your faith. You still hesitate to take a place of service in your church. You still hesitate to tithe. You're still battling over the same old habits that you used to battle over a long time ago. You're still wondering why God doesn't seem to answer your prayers as you'd like. You know that you're saved. You go to church, you read your Bible, you pray at times, and yet you know that something is missing in your life. What is it that's causing you to realize in your life that there's probably more stagnation than growth, more failure than success, and more emptiness than joy? Well, I think there's a probably could be a number of reasons, but there's one primary reason I believe that most people continue failing in all those areas. And that's what I want to talk about in this message. And I want you to listen very carefully because if you listen carefully and apply this message to your life, then you're going to get out of that stage of stagnation. You're going to begin to see God work in your life in a different kind of way. That emptiness is going to get full of joy. And you're going to begin to take on a whole new perspective of the Christian life. You're going to begin to experience the thrill of knowing who Jesus Christ is personally. And the thrill of serving him. And the thrill of watching him bless you in ways that you have never been blessed before. So I want you to turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 24. That's the last chapter in the Gospel of Luke. And I want us to turn, if you will, to beginning in the 36th verse. And let me give you a little background of what's happening. Jesus has risen, and the passage before this, he met those two disciples on the Emmaus Road, and you recall they were walking along, and Jesus appeared uh, with them and began to talk with them and explain to them what had happened when they asked him, well, haven't you heard about the crucifixion and so forth? And so he began to explain to them what happened, and then toward the end of the journey, he reveals himself, and then he disappears. Well, they are back now with the other disciples, telling them what happened. So verse 36 says, and while they were telling these things, he himself appeared in their midst. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, why are you, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled, referring to all of those prophecies in the Old Testament. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And then listen to this 49th verse, what he said to them. He said, And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city that is the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Why in the world would he say to these disciples, You are to stay in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Well, you know, one of the amazing things when I think about how many people sit in church week after week and they listen to sermons and they sing songs and pray prayers and 
go through all the things that people usually do in different types of churches, and somehow they're still not growing. Because the natural normal thing would be for us to grow in our relationship to Him and our love for Him, our devotion to Him, our gifts to Him. We should be more excited, for example, today about sharing our faith than ever before. But oftentimes that's not the case. Well, the reason is because oftentimes people will go through their whole life and never understand the absolute essential ministry of the Holy Spirit in their life. The title of this message is The Holy Spirit and absolute essential. Now, one of the things that I'd like to do is to answer several questions about the Holy Spirit in this message, several questions that oftentimes uh, people sort of overlook. And if you ask the average person today, who is the Holy Spirit? I guarantee you, most people would stumble around trying to define who he is. So what I'd like to do in this message is, first of all, answer this question, who is the Holy Spirit? First of all, the Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. That's who he is. And if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 1, and you'll recall in the very first chapter of the Bible, first book of the Bible, and the second verse, here's what you'll discover. You'll discover, the scripture says, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was upon the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then if you'll notice in the 26th verse of the same chapter, Again, the Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the, over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Who is us? Us is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And for example, if you will recall also, there are many, many passages, but if you look in John chapter 15 for a moment, and if you notice in this 15th chapter, there's a verse here I want you to notice. Because here is, here is the Trinity all in one verse. And the 26th verse says, Jesus speaking in the upper room, When the Helper, capital H, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all in this one verse. And notice, when the Helper comes, a Helper couldn't be a something, he is a somebody. When the Helper, who is the Spirit, whom I, Jesus, will send to you from the Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all at work. And if somebody says, well now, who is the Holy Spirit, what are you going to say? He is a person of the Trinity. The second thing I want you to notice about him is, he is the promise of the Father. And if you notice in this 49th verse, listen to what Jesus said. He said, Behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He's the promise of the Father. God promised to send the person of the Holy Spirit. And he promised to send him as the helper. Now, the very fact that he is called a helper is an implication that he is certainly somebody and not a thing. And so he's a person of the Trinity. He is the promise of the Father. And if you recall, for example, Jesus said in that 14th chapter of John, you may just want to put your blue ribbon somewhere in the 14th, 15th chapter. He said, I will ask the Father, in verse 16, he will give you another. And that another is another just like me. Hollows is a Greek word. It means another just like this one. He says, I'm going to send you somebody like me. Notice what he says. And he will be, he says, another helper that he may be with you. You see, Jesus didn't call the Holy Spirit. He didn't say that it may be with you, but he may be with you. A person of the Trinity, the promise of the Father. 
That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't behold him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And what he's saying is this is not some force, some power. This is the person of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three persons of the Godhead who make up the Trinity. And so therefore, when he said, let us make man in our image, God the Father, God the Son, Holy Spirit, and here he's saying, whom the Father will send in my name, he will be with you, and he will abide with you for how long? Forever. So he is the person of the Trinity. He's the promise of the Father. Listen, he is the gift to every believer. Look, if you will, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. You recall in this passage that this is the sermon that Peter preached at Pentecost, and that sermon was so powerful, they said when he was about finished, men and brethren, what shall we do? And here's what he said in verse 8, verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent, that each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not somebody we pray to get. The Holy Spirit is not someone we work for to get. And growing up uh, in the church that I grew up in, uh, what happens after you were saved? You were to come to the altar at some time, whenever you want a conviction, and you were to pray to get the Holy Spirit. That's what they said, that you need to get the Holy Spirit. You need to get the baptism of the Spirit. You need to get uh, this, that, and the other. But you're to get the Spirit. And somehow, in their uh, misconception of the work of the Spirit, they believed that uh, you were saved, and then at some other point in life, you got the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you were saved, the Spirit of God sealed you at that moment as a child of God. He came to indwell you. And the Bible distinguishes believers between believers and unbelievers as those who are indwelt by the Spirit and those who are not indwelt by the Spirit. Not by conduct, though that's important. Not by behavior, though that's important. But the fact that we are either sealed and indwelt by the Holy Spirit or we are not. Now, when somebody says to you, without looking at your notes, when somebody says to you, well, tell me who is the Holy Spirit, you're first of all going to say he is what? He's the person of the Trinity. The promise of the Father and the gift to every believer. Now, you got a little weak on that last one. Give them to me again. First of all, he is who? The person of the Trinity, promise of the Father, and the gift to every believer. Which means that every single one of you who's trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are now indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You don't have to get him. The baptism of the Spirit is not something that you get. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the work of the Holy Spirit at your salvation when he places you in Christ and makes you a part of the whole body of Christ. And so that's what he was referring to in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when he talks about baptizing us into, into Christ Jesus, making us one of his. And in the third chapter of John, when Jesus and Nicodemus are talking, and he says, that which is born of the Spirit... The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of sin. He's the one who brings us to that realization and the understanding so that you and I understand how to be saved. We understand what it means to believe in Jesus. We understand what it means that he died for our sins. That's all the work of the Holy Spirit in revealing, unveiling, and giving us understanding of his ministry. And so therefore, when somebody says, well, who is, who is he? We know that he indeed, without a doubt, He's not a thing, he's not a force, and he's not a power. He is a somebody. He is indeed the gift to every single believer. Well, the question comes then, well, if that's true of him, then uh, why did he come? That is, why did he come? So I want you to go back to Luke chapter 24 a moment. Look at that 49th verse again. Why did he come? Listen to what he said to them. He said, now, 
Behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, he says, what you must do is you must sit down in the city of Jerusalem and just wait. Now, I can imagine that they thought, well, that's a waste of time. You've given us the Great Commission, and we ought to be out here doing the work. He said, you're not ready. You're not ready to do the work that I've called you to do. You're not even ready to live the life that I've called you to live. So he says, there are two reasons, two primary reasons God the Father sent the Holy Spirit into this life. First of all, he sent the Holy Spirit into your life and mine in order to, number one, enable us to do the work God has called us to do. Number one, to, to enable us to do the work God has called us to do. When somebody says to you, well, why did he come? What are you going to say? To enable us to do the work that God has called us to do. Now, let me say right up front, that does not mean just preach. That means that God, through the Holy Spirit who has gifted you with your personality, your background, your birth, and all that God fused into your being even before you were born, and all that he has built into your personality, God, through the Holy Spirit, has gifted you. We have different gifts, the gift of service, the gift of giving, exhortation, exhortation, prophecy, mercy, teaching, all of these gifts, many, many gifts in the scriptures. And so every single believer has been gifted by the Holy Spirit. Now, just the fact that we have been gifted by him does not make us adequate. He said to those disciples who had walked with him, listened to him and watched him, sit down until you be clothed with power from on high. That is, even though they had been in his school for three years, they were not ready. Just, listen, knowing what to do and how to do it and when to do it did not make them ready. Now, oftentimes, we uh, limit the power and the work of the Holy Spirit to some service inside the church. God has equipped you. Now, probably some of you chose the occupation you're in. You didn't ask God what, you wanted, what he wanted you to do. You went to college. You chose your own major. You never asked him what it was he wanted you to do. You see, you and I do our best when we are doing what God has called us to do and when we are operating out of our spiritual gift. Now, for example, let's say that here's a person who has the gift of, um, the gift of organization. You, a person with the gift of organization, that's their spiritual gift. You put them in some role where they cannot organize anything and cannot administrate anything, and they're just shuffling paper. They won't last long because everything in them wants to get in charge, wants to get in control. They see things in confusion. They want to, they want to, they want to take charge. Why? That's, that's their gift. You can take each one of the spiritual gifts, and you take a person and put them in their spiritual gift and help them understand how to operate out of that gift. You're going to see a person who begins to reach toward the maximum of their potential to fulfill God's purpose in their life. That's why it's so very important you ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me to do it? What, what vocation, what job would you have? So because you want to exercise the gift that God has given you where he has taught you and where he has led you in your life. So therefore, he sent the Holy Spirit to enable us to do the work that God has called us to do. Now, God is at work in the hearts of his people, and he does not want us doing it in our own strength. When we do it in our own strength, we get what we can do. When we do it in the strength and the power of God, we get what God can do. Supernatural work can only be done in supernatural power, and supernatural power only comes from the presence and the power of the Spirit of God in your life and mine. Now, when somebody says to you, well, now tell me again, why did he come? What are you going to say? He came in order to... To enable us to do the work that God has called us to do. Right. Now, there's a second reason he came, and that is 
He came in order to enable us to live the life that God has called us to live. You see, one of the reasons that so many people fail in their Christian life over and over and over again is because they're trying to live in their own strength. As we've said before, all of us have that naturalness within us. We are the children of God. We have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us, but we also have our naturalness that's left over. I mean, it's there. We have our five senses. We have our desires, our natural, normal, God-given desires, which are to be exercised under the control of the Spirit. So there we are. Now, somebody says, well, I have a difficult time living the Christian life. Join the whole crowd. Because the truth is, in this wicked world we live in, we all have difficulty at times. We run into situations and circumstances and temptations and trials and difficulties and criticism and gossip and persecution and trouble on the job, whatever it may be. There are all kinds of difficulties we have to face. Well, how are we to live the Christian life? Well, we're to try hard. And try harder and harder and harder and harder. And the harder you try, the more you fail. Amen? The harder you try, the more you fail. So I've tried and tried and tried and tried. And you know what God's waiting for? He's waiting for us to fail so flat, fall so flat, we won't even get up and try again. We'll say, God, out of absolute desperation, if you don't do it, I've had it. And I think when we say I've had it, God says, praise, praise, praise. You finally got caught up with what I've been trying to do in your life all these years. I believe one of the most freeing moments of my life, and I remember I was a pastor in Miami at that time, one of the most freeing moments of my life is when I, I realized that God did not ever intend for me to live the Christian life. Now, I know that sounds like a real contradiction. What do you mean he didn't intend for you to live the Christian life? What kind of life are you living? Well, because what I want you to see is this. Those disciples couldn't live it. They walk with him. Look at Peter, for example. Jesus always having to say, Peter, relax. J just take it easy. I mean, Peter's saying, that's not going to happen to you. Here's God the Son speaking about what's going to happen to him. And Peter says, it's not going to happen that way, as if he knew better than Jesus. And finally, Jesus said to say, Tim, you're acting like the devil. And then, of course, you remember, he wants to fight in the garden. Of course, any of us who'd have been loyal to Jesus should have had the same attitude. But he just, I think he enjoyed swacking off ears probably. But Peter, that's his personality. Let's get out there and make it happen. We're going to make it happen. And so he wasn't ready to live the Christian life. He wasn't ready to do the work that God had called him to do until something dramatic happened to him. Brought to his knees by his own failure. And the one thing, probably, the one thing above everything else Peter would have said, well, he said to Jesus, he said, now listen, they may all leave you, but you can trust the rock. Can't you hear him saying that? You can trust the rock, Jesus. You can bet on Peter when everybody else is gone. What did he do? He couldn't even stand up to a teenage girl by the fire. He said, I don't even know him. Probably the one thing that the apostle Peter never got over his whole life. I imagine that ricocheted through his mind many nights when he went to bed. I remember no matter how much he knew that God had forgiven him and cleansed him and blessed him and how God was using him later on in his life, for him to re recall that moment in his life when he weakened to the point that he even, listen, did not say, I'm not a follower. He said, I, do, I don't know this man. That must have brought him to his knees, kept him on his face. It absolutely shattered him and broke him. He had to be broken before God could work in his life to the fullest. That broken, shattered Peter, who sinned the sin of probably above most sins, and that is to deny that you even know the Lord Jesus Christ. What happened? Filled by the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. He's the preacher of Pentecost. He's the man God uses when Pentecost comes, when the Spirit of God comes to anoint and to indwell the church and every single believer from that moment on. But he had to take a man who was broken by his own sin. The one thing God hates is pride. And therefore, he's not going to let any of us do it in our own strength. 
failure after failure after failure. Listen, it's God's avenue to bring you and me to the point of recognizing that the Spirit of God came in order to enable us to live the life we cannot live apart from Him. Now you say, well, now, uh, but how do I, what's my responsibility? How do, how do I get this to working in my life? What is my personal responsibility? Well, first of all, I think there are two or three things here that I'd mention. And if, if I'm going to live under the prevailing control of the Spirit, then I must be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means that at that moment in my life, I am living under His prevailing control. So it requires surrender on my part. Now, when somebody says, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It means that the Holy Spirit who lives within you is in control at that moment. Well, how long can I live under the control of the Holy Spirit? As long as I choose. You see, every time you and I make a decision, that decision determines whether I remain filled or not filled. Because the Spirit of God can't be in control along with me. Either he's in control or I get in control. My flesh, my naturalness naturally wants to be in control. But the Spirit of God desires to be in control. You and I are the ones who make the final determination. Will I yield to the Spirit or do I want to do what am I going to do what I want to do? So if I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life to accomplish what God has set me out to accomplish and to be the person God wants me to be, then first of all, I must be filled with the Spirit which means I must operate on the basis of his prevailing control in my life. What is required of that? First of all, I must look at my life and see if there's any sin there. Because, you see, his prevailing control, I have to decide, am I in charge here or is he in charge? So, first of all, there's repentance of all known sin. As long as I hold any aspect of my life for myself, for me, in spite of everything else, then he is not in control. Well, somebody says, well, now, you know, I, I've given him about 90%. As long as you've got 10%, he's not in control. Because your 10% can lead you in all kinds of directions. The question is, do I want the Spirit of God to be in control of my life? If he's in control, then I've got to surrender. Now, I'm not telling you that's easy. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes you may say, God, I, I want to be full of the Spirit, but I'm not willing to go that route. I want to tell you there's only one route. <laughs> there's only one route. You know what that route is? God's route. Is it rocky? Yes. Is it rough? Yes. Is it uphill? Yes. Is it downhill? Yes. Can you fall off the cliff if you're not careful? Yes, you can. That is, I'm not saying that yieldingness to the will of the Father is easy. I'm not saying that. But it is absolutely required. If he's going to prevail in his control, i got to give up control. What does that require? Dependence of my sin. Asking the Holy Spirit to fill me and believing that he does. He says, this is the confidence that I have in him, that if I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. And if I know that he hears me, I know that I have the petition that I desired of, of him. I know one thing for certain, it's his will for every single one of us to be filled with his spirit and live under his control. So I don't have to pray, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit if it's your will. Let me walk in your spirit if it's your will. You forget the if business of that request. That's the will of God for every single one of us. Being willing to walk yielded to him. That's what he's after in every one of our lives. Because you see, in order for him to accomplish his purpose for sending the Spirit, he must have control of my life. In order for him to accomplish his purpose for sending his Spirit into my life to live through me, his life had to be under his control. 
So the question is this. Are you happy where you are in your Christian life? Do you have a greater love for God today than you did a year ago? Do you love his word more? Are you more interested in winning people to Jesus and sharing your faith with them? Are you more interested in giving more than a tithe than you used to be? Are you interested in serving the Lord? Can you, listen, as you look at your life, what are the evidences? Listen, what are the down-to-earth, practical, daily, kind of write-them-down evidences that you and I can give that spiritually we are not where we were a year or so ago. We are further along in our spiritual growth and our love and our devotion to Jesus Christ. What evidence is there? If you can't write it down, more than likely you can't come up with any. And the question is this. He sent him. He is absolutely essential for you to accomplish, listen, in your life, in your vocation, not just serving the Lord, serving the Lord in church, yes, but in your vocation, if you want God's best, if you want his best, if, if you want to make progress, and in your spiritual life, you want to make progress in every aspect of your life, total surrender. Is it easy? No. Will it cause weeping in some people's lives? Yes. Will it mean giving up some things you love? Yes. Who makes that decision? You do. And you know what? Not even you and I can make it apart from his strength. We may have to say, God, I don't want to. Lord, I want to, but I don't want to. God, I want to, but I don't want to. Please do, but don't mess with this. Back and forth and back and forth. till finally, we say, God, have it your way. And you know what? His way is absolutely the best. You can't beat the best. And whatever God does is the best. And I want to encourage you. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've got to go it alone. Listen, you can't claim his strength, his power, his wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding. You can't claim anything. If you're not a believer, you can't claim anything. You've got to go life alone. And some of you are single mothers, single fathers. And some of you are alcoholics, drug addicts. Or you've got some other habit, a major problem in your life. And you can't do it. You've tried your best and you absolutely cannot. Or you may be a believer and you've got a very poor self-image and you've tried and tried and tried and you can't get folks to love you no matter what. Or you may have a great sense of rejection and somehow you just feel excluded no matter what you do. You see, there's a thousand problems out there. And I'm here to tell you that the Spirit of God will zero in in your life in a loving way. And what will he do? He'll sift and sand and cleanse till he can get you absolutely surrendered to him and then you'll taste of life. Listen, you'll get a taste of something you have never tasted of before, and this world can't match it. I want to encourage you. You say, well, what do you mean, surrender my life to Jesus? I mean simply this. You ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. You tell him that you believe the witness of Scripture, that when Jesus died at Calvary, he took your sin debt in full, and that if you ask him to forgive you of your sins, he will, on the basis of the death of Jesus, who paid your sin debt, for you. And he said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be saved right now. All you have to do is to say to him, Father, I want you to forgive me of my sins. I do receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Here is my life. And that moment, you become a child of God. The Spirit of God indwells you. The Spirit of God seals you. And everything I've been talking about begins operation in your life. Amen. There we go. There's a timeless message from the late... Charles Stanley. And we're going to start playing more Charles Stanley here exclusively and only on 
the Morning Brew Christian Podcast show on my radio station here on iHeartRadio. Guys, if there's anything I can do to help you, please feel free to email me, morningsbrew at gmail.com, morningsbrew at gmail.com. Now we're going to have two, two great pastors that are going to be preaching from now on on our show, and that is going to be Billy Graham, and now we're going to include... Uh, Charles Stanley. All right, well now, before we close out and do a prayer, I'm going to play this song by request, 1159 Sunday Drive. Time is winding down. Just look around us. Evil's breaking loose on every side. The devil knows his time is almost over. But soon the clock will stop and Jesus Christ will split the skies. So shout it from the rooftops, proclaim it in the streets.
receiving Christ as my Savior. Amen. What a way to close our uh, TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Thank goodness it's Friday. A little different show today, guys. Uh, again, this is CA on air personality on the iHeartRadio network. <clears throat> if you haven't heard, if you haven't read my post, uh, we've lost another great uh, pastor earlier this week, just a few days ago. We're talking about Dr. Charles Stanley. He's a well-known pastor. He was a, a pastor emeritus. He just retired. You don't really officially fully retire, just like Billy Graham never did. He was also part of In Touch Ministries. Uh, very blessed to play this uh, sermon today. The Holy Spirit, an absolute essential. And it's true. Exactly what Dr. Charles Stanley did. See, God utilized Dr. Charles Stanley. Just like Charles Stanley was utilized through Christ, God is utilizing you right now. Up top of the studio, you know, it's still dark out here in beautiful downtown Fort Worth, central downtown Fort Worth, up top tower here at the iHeartRadio studio. I'm sitting here listening to his messages, listening to some music, and, you know, life is short. You know, I look, we got a, in my office at the studio, I got an office too as well. I look in there and every day, you know, I may forget days where I'm scratching off my calendar. And, you know, when I look at my calendar, guys, I realize how fast time is. Time is so fast. If you haven't made it right with Jesus, now's the time. He is the olive branch, olive branch to get to God the Father. You know, this world is challenging. To pick up the staff, as the Bible says, and follow me, follow Christ, it's going to be hard. But you've got a body of believers out there in America. There's, there's some good, bad, and ugly, but there's some good people out there that will be willing to help you. And maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe we need another Dr. Charles Stanley, another Billy Graham out there. We do, desperately, in our new generation. Right now, our new generation is unchurched. They don't go to church. But what I'm doing in my radio ministry is I'm trying to spread the gospel. Maybe I'll do some Bible teachings, Christian comedies. But losing Charles Stanley, we don't want to let go of any of his timeless messages, too, that maybe I'm reaching somebody out there. Because not only do we want to reach the young generation, we want to reach the older generation and the senior citizen uh, generation like me and others. He was old school, just like Billy Graham. However, great teacher, and God utilized him, and he's going to utilize somebody. Right now, I feel in the Spirit of the Lord, there's somebody Somebody that's being called. God's calling you. He's calling you to, to maybe go to seminary, Bible college, like my son's going to, to be a preacher. Maybe he's calling you to be an associate pastor. Maybe he's calling you to be a youth minister. Maybe he wants you to get involved into a church to where you can uh, work with the children. You know, I've done all that. Uh, I've done everything, basically, in ministry work. God loves you, and there's a need out there. Yes, I have a job, and my job is is to love, serve, encourage, and I want to tell others just like uh, Charles Stanley said about Jesus. So again, if I can help you, feel free, email me morningspirit@gmail.com, morningspirit@gmail.com here at the station, or text a prayer to me, or hey, I loved your, your podcast today with Dr. Stanley, or put it on comments. Uh, go to the Morning Brew Christian Podcast. i tell you what. Follow me on there, guys. Uh, be my friend, C.A. Hall. I'd love to have you on there, you know. 
Uh, I put a lot of encouraging things on there. Let me know what you think of the Charles Stanley, our inaugural Charles Stanley. We're going to be doing a lot here on the radio station. All right, let's lead off in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all you do. Father God, we pray for Charles Stanley's family. You know, boy, heaven's gain. You received, you received Charles Stanley, and he's up there in paradise. And you know, and who would want to come back once you call him home? Thank you for his life and his love for ministry work. Father, I pray you'd be with Andy, his son. You know, he misses his dad. And I just pray that you just be with him and be with the family members and wrap your arms around him. And we thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. We pray and be with us. Let us have a great week in 110% total agreement. Amen. There's one thing, friends, before I get ready to saddle up and leave the studio. Uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, and this is a true story. I put it on a post. Uh, Andy wrote that his dad said, son, why don't you come over and, and visit me and have dinner? And they did. And he said, son, will you pray for me? And he always did. He went over to his dad and kneeled down by his dad that was uh, sitting in a chair. Because, you know, Dr. Stanley was 90 years old. And he prayed. And he said, this is what Charles Stanley, he prayed for his dad. He said, he said, uh, this is what Charles Stanley said, son, said, I just want you to know that I love you. And he said it back to his dad. Then the next thing, Charles Stanley prayed for his son. And he told him, he said, son, I'm proud of you. You see, when Charles Stanley got divorced, him and his wife, who went home to be with the Lord. His son was a little bitter toward his dad for so many years. But God chiseled and he worked to rehash that relationship with his son, Andy. Now Andy is a well-known pastor, just like Franklin Graham, followed his daddy's footsteps. Because Andy was upset because of the divorce between Charles Stanley and his ex-wife at the time. Charles Stanley never remarried, but he was happy with the Lord. Kept a very private life. He dedicated a lot of his time to his ministry work on In Touch Ministries, which we're very honored today to make that special announcement that we are going to be playing some Charles Stanley from time to time. I guess what my point is, and you're probably like, CA, what's your point? If you don't get it right with your children, work on it, okay? Hug them, love them, tell them you appreciate them. Tell them how much they mean to you. Tell your mom, your dad, if they're living, which I'm very blessed mine are, uh, how much you love them, how much you care about them. And follow God. I don't care if you got the, hats off to you, you got the best job in America, that's great. You got the fanciest home, that's great. But oh, your riches is up in heaven with the Lord, doing what he wants you to do. Maybe you're shy. Maybe you're bashful. I used to be that way until I worked at Six Flags Over Texas and I gained my personality. And then I went to Bible college, spreading the gospel. And I'm happy to do this here on my radio station. And iHeartRadio is so kind. And I've got a lot of followers. And they tell me, keep fighting the good fight, CA. You're doing good. It's hard sometimes when you're working a major job, a major corporation, making a living. Friends, I don't do this for money. I do this for free and for my love for Christ. 
because I want y'all to make it. Let me tell you, I want you to make it to heaven. You don't want to go to hell. You want to make it. Please, someone take a stand. I encourage you. I challenge you. Take a stand. We need another Charles Stanley. We need many Charles Stanleys and many late Billy Grahams too as well. Someone step up to the plate. Follow God. Again, it's going to be challenging, but he loves you. You know what? I love you too, and I'm going to keep pressing on. The more people we get. Do you know, before I close, there's going to be more people that are going sadly to hell than heaven. Proven fact. But what we can do as Christians, now that we're out of these COVID times, is to reach others and love others. We live in such a hateful society. Face fact. I just feel like talking about this. I don't know why. Taking a few moments and I hope I don't offend anybody. What happened to brotherly love? What happened to sisterly love? What happened to families? Well, Satan's always been in the world, sadly, to seek and destroy because he wants your soul. Don't let him have it. It's free to just tell God to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse your heart, and you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, and you accept him as your personal Savior, and you want him in your heart, and you'll do whatever he wants you to do, and you follow him. It's important, friends. You need him, and he needs you. Thank you for listening. Rest in peace, Dr. Charles Stanley. We'll see you on the other side. This is CA getting ready to saddle up and leave Face Studio One, the iHeartRadio studio in central downtown Fort Worth. I love each and every one of you. Please share this podcast. You have a great day. We'll talk again soon. Bye for now.